After the funeral, nothing went back to the way it had been. As Norma fell behind the other guests and slipped onto the road leading to the cemetery gates, she still tried to make herself believe it was possible, though. Her mother wouldn't have been offended that she'd already ordered a taxi, and Norma didn't care about any of the rest of it. Relatives she hardly knew, scheming heirs, the fate of the ancestral home of the Nahka family, which was sure to come up over the Karelian pasties and savoury sandwich cake as her grandmother interjected observations spun from her brittle memory. Norma would leave the farce behind to try to return to normal life and meet her mother's death head on. No more avoiding places that reminded Norma of her. No more being late to work. No more taking taxis instead of the metro, and no more bursting into tears each morning as she tore at her hair with a metal-toothed comb. She wouldn't forget to eat or drink enough, and she wouldn't let the life she and her mother had spent so much work building together fall apart. She would prepare for her workday the next morning just as before. She would pick the lint from the back of her blouse and pack her purse with baby oil to tame her curls, diazepam and meclizine to calm her mind and body. Into the bottom of the bag she would toss a travel-sized bottle of Elnet hairspray because that was the smell of a normal workday. The choice of women who had their lives in order. That was the kind of woman she intended to be. After armoring herself for the day to come, she would enter the Sanainen metro station, melt into the flowing mass of humanity, and allow the escalator to carry her to the platform as on any other day. The air current would flap the hem of her skirt, people would browse their phones and free newspapers, and none of them would remember the tragedy that had happened on that same platform. Only she would think of it as she prepared to confront the tension that had dominated her workplace through months of labor negotiations. She would realize that nothing in her life had stopped other than her mother's life. There was no sign of her taxi. Norma leaned against the cemetery fence and allowed relief to swim into the bubble formed by the benzos and scopolamine. She had survived the funeral. She hadn't spotted deception in anyone's commiseration or hypocrisy in words of sympathy. She hadn't fainted, vomited, or had a panic attack, even though some people had come close enough to hug her. She'd behaved like a model daughter and was finally ready to remove her sunglasses, which had begun to slip down her nose from sweat caused by the heat. Then, just as she was shoving them into her bag, a man she didn't know came up to her to express his condolences. Norma pushed the glasses back on. She didn't want company. The others already went that way. Norma motioned toward the restaurant where the reception was being held and pulled the brim of her hat down lower. Instead of leaving, the man extended his hand. Norma ignored the greeting and turned away. She had no interest in interacting with strangers. But the man didn't give up. He grabbed Norma's hand. Lambert, the man said. Mark's Lambert. One of your mother's old friends. I don't remember her ever mentioning you. The man laughed. Did you and your mother talk about all your friends? It's been ages. When we were younger, Arnita and I had some real adventures together. Norma pulled her hand away. She could feel the man's grip on her fingers like a stamp pressed into her skin against her will. 
and he had used the past tense referring to her mother. It sounded like an insult. Norma hadn't moved on to that stage yet, and this man didn't look like one of her mother's friends. Norma and Anita Ross's life had been cloistered, their social contact limited to the circles required for their work. What few acquaintances each had had, the other knew, and this man was not one of them.